It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. We have with us today, Craig Burford. He is the Executive Director of the Ohio Educational Service Center Association, where he has served in that position for 20 years. He manages the association operations and directs the policy development and lobbying efforts for the association. Thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it. Sure thing. and. We really look to you for insight about what ESCs can uh, provide for districts, uh, maybe some of the good efforts that are out there, some of the challenges at our state level and maybe beyond from where you sit. I know you see a lot and uh, we'd love to get your input. Great. I appreciate it. You know, as you said, I've been working with ESCs for the past uh, 20 years. And uh, while that system's evolved quite a bit over the past 20 years, I think one thing that's been pretty consistent is uh, ESC serving as sort of a convener and facilitator with their school districts and with other public agencies. And I think, you know, times like this really reveal uh, the importance of those relationships. Can you tell us a little bit more about the kinds of supports and services that are out there in response to the pandemic? Absolutely. So I think a couple of things that we're seeing first and foremost, as I said, is, you know, this coordination role that, that ESCs are playing. And we're seeing this in a lot of different ways. So our superintendents historically would meet with their district superintendents on a monthly basis. Those have shifted to being weekly and in some instances, uh, multiple times throughout the week. And we're seeing similar uh, job alike conversations between treasurers, curriculum staff, special ed, early childhood, a lot of those job-alike activities. So a big part of what the SEs are doing is just, you know, from a coordination standpoint, connecting school districts with their departments of public health, emergency management agencies, children's services, Adams boards, and those folks, and, and trying to help coordinate what a, you know, the collective response is to the challenges when you go from having kids together in a school setting to everybody being off-site and in a more remote learning environment. So I'd say that's, you know, maybe the, the first and in some ways most critical piece of, of the things that ESCs are doing. And then there are other things, you know, in terms of with that transition to more online or remote learning, there's also been sort of a, a, a significant influx of, you know, private partners that want to be able to provide materials and resources to school districts, oftentimes at no cost or very low cost. And I think districts have been inundated with some of those goodwill gestures. And so one of the things that ESCs have done as well is our curriculum staff going in, aggregating, vetting, and reviewing those materials to work with districts to know, you know, which are the best materials for the right type of, of students. Also doing a fair amount of professional development for our own staff, but also district staff, using this as a time to obviously continue instruction for kids, but also build uh, the capacity of our own staff some who may not have been ready to make as quick of a transition to remote learning as maybe others. And so trying to level up everybody's abilities. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the, this notion of everybody needs to learn. In this situation, everybody's learning and the ESCs are part of that process too. And I think that's 
a humbling reminder for all of us that we are in the learning business and we're in the business of, of doing everything we can to support kids. Uh, what are some examples of things that the ESCs have been learning or transitioning from as a result of this? So I think a big, you know, um, maybe as you know already, uh, when it comes to providing direct student services, there are a couple of areas in which ESCs themselves are pretty deeply involved. And it's typically in early childhood, and in particular students with disabilities. Then as we go into the school age, it's with other at-risk populations, students in alternative schools, dropout recovery, drop-in programs, as well as a lot of the therapy services for students with, with disabilities. So I think one of the things that we are having to build up our own knowledge and understanding capacity is how to deliver those services best in a remote setting. When is it appropriate to provide therapy services through interactive video or, or other means? When is it not? How do you continue to meet the students' needs and meet, at, meet them at the individual student level when there are multiple ways in which they have to receive those services? And I think one of the challenges that we're encountering is everybody has different access to technology and or to connectivity. And so how do you, again, how do you meet the student at their level? Uh, for those who may not have access to technology, getting hard copy materials, support services for parents who now, we don't really want the parents to be the teacher necessarily, but they have to be there maybe as the instructional aid that's supporting the students in their, their learning while we try and deliver uh, instruction in a different way. So it's really requiring you know, a different level of parent engagement as well than maybe what we would typically uh, have to be involved with, if that, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, and we've spoken to a few different people that brought up the issue of equity and the different dimensions of that. Is there anything that you wanna to speak to in that regard? You mentioned about what I would call a digital divide or other areas you wanna reference? I think that we're seeing, you know, again, in, in, in significant part, it does have to do with access to technology or, or web-enabled devices and those types of things and, and connectivity. I think what we have found in this situation is it accentuates some of the inequity that we knew existed, but has maybe made it even more glaring in the short term. And so, you know, it's really requiring us to think some different and unique ways in, in terms of how to tackle that. And actually, I think that's one of the things that has been most interesting about watching this is in a very short period of time, people have had to pivot and be really creative in their thinking. So a couple of things that we're seeing is, you know, districts and ESCs making hours in which folks can come in and park in the parking lot and take advantage of the Wi-Fi that they might be able to pick up out of the school. Some ESCs that are working with private foundations to get some dollars to equip buses and vans with Wi-Fi when they go and deliver meals, those types of things they use as an opportunity to drop off instructional materials or pick up assignments that have been dropped off for those who don't have technology, but then also allowing families to sit again in, in close proximity to those buses or vans, take advantage of those mobile Wi-Fi spots and be able to either download materials, upload things, uh, do some of their, uh, maybe some of the asynchronous courses that they can't do at home. We've also seen partnerships with public TV, uh, folks trying to make arrangements with local cable providers and radio stations and other ways of you know, how can you get some, you know, short periods of time to do some instruction for those who may not have access to technology in the home outside of, you know, a TV or radio, but still being able to get um, some educational time to those students. Do you see anything coming out of this? situation that will create long-term effects in education, how we do business, 
how we take care of kids and each other, how schools are run, anything at all, or ESCs for that matter? Do you see any long-term impact? Well, it certainly seems like it's going to change. I think there are a couple of things that have probably come out of this that could be positives. The first is, I do think it is, you know, raising awareness from from parents and others in the community on the importance of the of the schools in terms of not just the instructional component, but the social emotional uh, support and other support services that the kids get. So I think there's a an increased recognition of the of the importance of schools and, and school systems. I would say in terms of change of delivery models, you know, I, you could see where there would be a greater call for more blended learning opportunities. There obviously is the importance of the face-to-face, but I think there's also a recognition that, you know, there's more that can be done through technology and perhaps using some more of a hybrid learning approach, mm-hmm. combining some of that face-to-face instruction with, with online. And certainly, you know, I think there is a sensitivity to in what grade levels is that appropriate. Face-to-face interaction, both with teachers, but also with your peers for younger students in terms of child development and, and moving through online learning is not maybe as appropriate for those earlier grades, but um, we may be able to provide some more expanded opportunities as you move up into the middle grades and, and high school. Uh, so I think, it, you know, it's certainly going to change some, some expectations, and I think we're going to have to be more flexible again, to meet students uh, where they are and where their comfort level is. And with the event, you know, with the possibility that as these things naturally evolve, that you can have flare-ups, whether it's either on a regional basis or on an individual district level that may require closing down school. And so if you do that again, the ability to respond quickly, uh, I think we have built that capacity. We know how to deal with these situations now and we'll be much better prepared uh, should that happen again. I'm curious about your thoughts on where we stand as a state. And the reason I mention that is because I know that my understanding is you're involved, of course, with the National Association of Educational Service Agencies. How do you see uh, Ohio in relation to that? Is the landscape similar in terms of these kinds of issues you're describing? Is it different? How well are we responding compared to the rest of the country? Yeah, so I would probably answer that in a couple of different ways. The first would be that I've got got a great opportunity to um, interact with my counterparts. We've got 13 states that have state-level associations and somebody that's serving in in my role, Um, so a fairly narrow uh, number of the states. But then I also serve on their executive committee, so I have an opportunity to talk with representatives from the 46 states that that do have some type of intermediate agency like ESCs. So I feel like I've got a fairly, uh, I've had the opportunity to talk with a number of different groups. I would say for my policy response, it is really difficult to beat the job that Governor DeWine has done and the responsiveness that we've done. And I think he is uh, really looked upon highly um, by his peers uh, and by public health uh, administration and others that, you know, people have looked to Ohio. I would also say that we, it was recognized that we had a pretty quick legislative response. So as I was talking with some of my peers and they were still waiting for their legislatures to come back into session to have some initial response, you know, we were at least a week or two ahead of a number of other states. So from that perspective, I would say, you know, Ohio is pretty good standing, pretty quick to respond. Now, I think we're all facing the exact same challenges. And if you talk to folks, regardless of where they are, their concerns are pretty much all the same. You know, what effect does this have on on, on student learning, uh, particularly in areas like literacy, what type of challenges will this create for students? We know there are 
summer reading slides is just contribute to it when you have another two months of, of, a, of a potential gap in learning, for, particularly for those who don't have access to technology. That gap in access to technology, dead zones in the various states as it relates to connectivity is a pretty pervasive problem and a consistent concern that we've heard across states. And then I think the last piece is ensuring equitable services for students with disabilities. A lot of you know, concerns about how do you continue to provide those services for those um, most at risk. So those themes, I would say, have been pretty consistent in talking with my peers in other, in other states. Well, I appreciate that point of view and where you sit. I know you see a lot of tremendous effort across the state and you connect with others in other states to to find out best practices as well. For those people that want to follow up with you and get more information or direction or resources, what's the best way they can reach out to you or your team there? So, uh, you know, all of our contact is available through our website. Uh, But so if you go to www.oesca.org, so oesca.org, uh, there are a couple of things that you'll find there. One, we've tried to create kind of a one-stop place for any state, federal uh, documents, guidance, resources that people can access. But we also have a page that's right there off of the front page. I think we've collected from about 33 ESCs so far. But it's all of their service plans and the things they have in place that they're doing to help address the concerns of their school districts and provide continuing learning opportunities for both students and the staff and the client school districts that they serve. Uh, so that's a, a great resource. People want to have a better understanding of how individual ESCs are meeting the needs of their of their school districts. And of course, our contact information is is all on there as well. Well, this is very helpful, Craig. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate all you're doing for the field. Thank you, guys. You know, we, we appreciate everything Ashland does. You're a great resource for educators and have been a good partner to the ESC Association. I just appreciate the opportunity to join you today. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.